to Legal Tea, the podcast where we interview lawyers bring beyond corporate law. Each week you hear about their practice area, the work that they do, and the roads they've taken to get there. I'm your host, Max Haberg. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another week of the podcast. Can you believe we're already towards the end of February? Now, I don't know about you, but spring can't come soon enough. I mean, I'm seriously getting fed up of this cold. Now, typically in legal tea, we don't tread on the same topic twice, but our next guest story was such a special one and gave us new insights into a topic we recently covered that we decided to make an exception for this one. You see, this week we're sitting down with Amy Marin, a double Paralympian swimmer and solicitor apprentice at BVP University. Now, while most of us were struggling to wake up for our 9am lectures, Amy was swimming laps around her competitors at the Rio Paralympics, and upon donning her cap and goggles, has now decided to pursue the relatively new qualification path of solicitor apprenticeships. In the episode, we discuss Amy's life as solicitor apprentice, the transferable skills her swimming career gave her to excel in the legal profession, and dispelling the FOMO of university life when choosing the apprenticeship route. Outside of apprenticeships, we discuss about Amy's disability and disability within the legal profession more generally, and specifically how people can support and better integrate those with disabilities into the legal profession. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, brew yourself a cuppa, and enjoy the show. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to Legal Tea. How are you doing today? Good morning, Max. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Now, Amy, we've got a lot to talk about, but before we jump in, I was wondering if you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Of course. So my name is Amy Marin. I am a solicitor apprentice in-house at BPP. Aside from that, I am also in what I like to call my previous chapter, a retired double Paralympic swimmer, having won a bronze medal at the Rio 2016 Paralympics. In between Paralympics, I also competed at World and European Championships, where I also won titles. And believe it or not, this is not my first apprenticeship either. I completed the paralegal apprenticeship in 2019 before moving on to the solicitor apprenticeship and then very, very sadly, but a relief to me, retiring from elite sports to pursue my legal career. I've got to say, between all those pursuits, did you have any downtime? Because it seems, you know, from Paralympic career to then, you know, solicitor, paralegal apprenticeship to solicitor apprenticeship, you know, it's no, no, it's not for the faint hearted, so to speak. It's not, and it's no mean feat. I absolutely agree. I, I'm very conscious that sometimes I do come across as a crazy person who wants <laughs> to buy off more than they can chew, but I really do love it. I thrive from challenge, and I feel the best when I've got challenges upcoming, so I've naturally fallen into a new pattern now, which involves being challenged in the workplace rather than physically challenged in the swimming pool. I do I do think it's important to find downtime. I think regardless of your career, of your interests, of your hobbies, I think part of life and part of being human is you just have to have those times to do things that you enjoy so it's very important to me and it's something that's always been important to me throughout my swimming career and and as I say now my legal career and so what attracted you to law 
what attracted me to law? This question has evolved over time. Um, and my response now, I think I'm happy with. So I did not come out of the womb thinking that I wanted to be a lawyer. I want to make that very clear. Um, I think <laughs> shocking, quite common. <laughs> shocking, I know. Sometimes I think it's quite common in the legal industry that lawyers are very, very set from a young age. That's what they've always wanted to be. But obviously my story is a little bit different because I had my career so to speak up until I was 18 up until well up until I was 21 sorry until I retired from swimming so I came across law initially at school I did GCST law and I loved my teacher she was so fantastic and I think when you're lucky enough to have a teacher that's so passionate about their subject naturally that that becomes your interest too so I did that um, and then I didn't really have the option to study at sixth form because I went to quite a traditional sixth form with just the, the normal subjects, English, math, sciences, those kinds of things. So the interest kind of faded then. But having spoken to my mum, she seemed set on the idea that around 10, I said I wanted to be a lawyer, which is odd because at 10, I very, very clearly remember also wanted to be a Paralympian. Um, <laughs> so somehow I managed to tick off both these career um, aspirations that I had at the age of 10, which has been brilliant. I think that an early influence for me of law came from a friend of mine who has um, the same arm as me so for everyone that's listening I have one hand so that's what makes me a Paralympic swimmer I came across my friend and she's 10 years older than me but when I met her initially when I was about nine or ten years old she was the first person that I'd ever seen that had an arm like me and was really cool and I really enjoyed a bit around her and she just started studying at law school so maybe at some point in time, again, her passion has kind of has 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 fueled mine. Interesting. It's, I I have could I've got to agree. Kind of the the importance of of role models and and pe- being able to kind of see yourself in other people um, really does have an impact as to the decisions you make or the paths you make. I think so. And I think if you're lucky enough to have a role model, I think even a mentor. I think those kind of things are so underestimated in the value they actually hold and so one question I have is you know in your transition from Paralympic swimmer to you know pursuing a legal career as a paralegal apprentice or citizen apprentice have you found kind of you know transferable skills Absolutely. I think there's a whole host of skills I've been able to transfer, believe it or not, from a swimming pool to an office. Um, One big thing for me is time management. I was quite frightened at the prospect of going into a completely unknown world. And for that reason, I knew that if I could follow a pattern that I had known for pretty much my whole life up until that point, maybe that transition will be a little bit easier. So I know I went into the apprenticeship knowing full well that I would be studying full time, I would be working full time, and it was not going to be easy. But this isn't the first time that I would have come across that. During my whole swimming career, I was competing every weekend. I was in the pool four hours a day. I was also at sixth form and, and school prepping for exams. So it wasn't anything different in the sense to what I'd done and what I'd been able to be, what I was capable of. It was just moving it from one place to another, as you say, transferable. So I think like, another uh, thing that I've been sorry. able... Yeah? No, 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 my apologies, my apologies, continue. So I think another thing that I've been able to transfer over is perseverance. 
sport can be quite unpredictable and I found that working in-house can be quite unpredictable too but I do honestly believe that that that's the place where I thrive the most that's the place where I'm outside my my comfort zone and these challenges I really do try to embrace them and push myself on so almost kind of you know it's the the intensity in terms of you know just the amount of hours or the amount of work but also this idea of you know having to wear different hats from your Paralympic career you know having to study and at the same time kind of spend so many hours in the pool to now when you have to study and also kind of work definitely I think that's a really good way to put it and I think it's something that now I'm quite proud of. So, you know, transitioning from a Paralympic career to uh, an apprenticeship, but also now, as you say, chopping and changing those hats, I think has made me a much more well-rounded person than if I'd followed the traditional route and, and just gone to university. And so how does the solicitor apprenticeship kind of model work? So the apprenticeship is, first thing I'll say, it's the same as any other apprenticeship in that you're entitled to 20% off the job learning, which would equate to one study day a week. So for me, every Monday I am attending my tutorials, I am watching lectures, I'm creating my notes to then implement into the rest of the working week. So Monday, as I say, I'm at home studying, working hard. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I am working pretty much full-time. So although it's only four days a week, it's still tra- treated as a five-day workload. So you'll still be allocated work when you're not in the office to pick up, which I don't mind at all. Um, I really enjoy the dynamics of shifting from academic to the more practical side. And sometimes I've found that my modules I'm studying can line up really well with what I'm doing at work. So one of my first modules was contract law. And day to day, I do quite a lot of contract review. So straight away, I was able to learn on the Monday and then add in what I'd learned to the rest of my working week, which I found really useful. I think there's no better way to consolidate your understanding. And then we have exams, um, as you typically would with any high level apprentice apprenticeship or any further qualification. So we have exams, January exams, August exams and April exams which don't get me wrong, again, they're tough, but I think as long as you you learn that balance and what works for you, how you revise best, I think that sets you up really nicely to have a, a, a good and successful time on the apprenticeship. And so what's it like working at BBP? Because I've heard about sister apprenticeships in kind of, you know, bespoke kind of law firms, more law firms are doing, but in kind of an organisation like BPP, which is known for, you know, delivering kind of legal education, what's that like? I absolutely love it. I love it. I love being in-house primarily because, as I've said, the workload for me is so varied and I find it really interesting getting involved on things that you wouldn't even think of sometimes. So this, that could be academic side, that could be commercial side. It's a really, really interesting place to work. I also love working there because, for me, starting so junior and and starting work at 18 it is scary for anyone but from the start I felt so well supported and I've been given opportunity to get stuck in anything that interests me I can say to my manager or the rest of the team oh I've really enjoyed this piece of work and next time more comes in can can I have a go at doing that piece as well so for me it's been a mixture of being supported and just having the opportunity to grow professionally in in, a, in, re, in a relatively short space of time. 
And so you told us before, kind of your your week, your typical week at BPP looks like Monday is, you know, study from home and then Tuesday to Friday is, you know, working. Is Does the stuff that you work on, you know, you did a lot of contract review, but, you know, does does the nature of your work change or the type of work you get involved in change kind of over over the course of the apprenticeship? It changes all the time. And I think it changes as um, as my apprenticeship develops. Yeah, definitely. So as I get more comfortable in more complex queries or I'm working towards being a, a lot more independent. So naturally new new queries, new matters will come to light. So I give you an example. When I first started BPP, I would do um, quite a lot of tasks you'd probably describe as admin admin in nature. So I do a lot of filing. I'd get a lot of contracts signed. I then moved on to data protection work, kind of just as GDPR was being rolled out, which was really exciting to be part of. And I've loved that and kind of kept that up ever since. Then that's moved on to simple contract review, which has now become more complex complex contract review. Sometimes we get litigation matters that I get to be involved with. So drafting witness, witness statements or preparing defences, which I've really enjoyed. So I would say the work gets more complex. One, with the more responsibility you're given. And then two, just the further along you get and the more confident you get with, with taking on that work. For me, I would never be given something that feels totally out of my comfort zone without at least having the opportunity to go through it first, which I think is a great attribute of of the apprenticeship itself as well. It's very much within your control and you do have a voice to use in terms of what you're interested in, how you navigate it, even down to how you study. And what's been the highlight moment on the job so far? My highlight, mm, mm, I would probably say my highlight moment, we were um, at the Rolfs building and Ed Sheeran was there on the same day. (laughs) I'm going to say that's my highlight. I'm actually going to say that's my highlight. Um, I think a very close second maybe for me would be um, I've set up the first legal or apprentice society that I know of, of its kind. So it's under the BPP umbrella and we're really well supported. We have almost 500 members now and it's just a network for legal apprentices to come together, share their experience, share their perspectives in what really is a unique route to be part of now. And talking about kind of roots, you initially went to university kind of before taking on this this apprenticeship path, but you decided it wasn't for you. I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit more as to what that thought process was like in that experience. Yeah, absolutely. It's not an easy decision to make. And at the time, it really did feel like do or die. Um, For me, I just learned in a very short space of time that university was not the route for me I was I wasn't enjoying myself I wasn't enjoying being away from home um I was also living with all swimmers so it was a lot of change at once for me and I I was in I was in a course that I didn't really see myself going into any further career with so it was actually my mum that believe it or not suggested taking on an apprenticeship and what attracted, was there a particular moment that you knew apprenticeships were for you? Was it that moment when your mom suggested it or was it something that kind of grew on to you over time? I think it was something that grew on me because I 
I had the bias that apprentices were only those who were plumbers or electricians or someone that had a very traditional trade. So I not looked down upon, but I just wasn't educated on what an apprenticeship looked like. And I certainly didn't know that you could be a qualified professional through an apprenticeship. So it definitely grew over time. And I think the, the one selling point for me was the fact that you'd have the opportunity to be surrounded by professionals and who better to teach you how to do the, your future career than those that are already in that career themselves. Precisely. I mean, the idea of, I think, with with a lot of the legal profession, it's learning through osmosis, learning by kind of, you know, doing or seeing other people do things. So, you know, having... Without a doubt. Class Without caliber, a doubt. Yeah. And class caliber of, you know, the best in the profession or the most skilled in the profession teach you how to do things is an amazing way to progress your career. No. I think so. And I feel very lucky for that reason, for being able to to have that hybrid of doing the academic side and then going to work. And as I say, being surrounded by those that are there right now. Now, one thing I, I must ask is, as an apprentice, do you ever get kind of, you know, FOMO, you know, not getting the, the social experience university has to offer? Do you know what? I don't. I really don't. And it's funny because when I, I remember drawing up a pros and cons list when I was 18 and the social side was definitely a factor on my list. But for me, I think because I came from elite sport and I didn't really go out all that often and as often as 18 year olds should probably go out. I've never really had it in my nature to be one of those people that goes out on parties and, and does all these things. But what I've learned from an apprenticeship is you can make those opportunities for yourself. So I kind of gave the example where I set up the society and now there's a whole community of legal apprentices that can come together and meet up as often or as, as little as they want. You've also got the chance to speak to those in your cohort. You've got a, a whole team at work that you can kind of socialise with. I'm very lucky that my team's a lovely social team. We've done fun things like karaoke. Um, we've done escape rooms, that kind of stuff. So... I, I wouldn't say I get FOMO like because it's it's just not it's not me and if it, if I really wanted to do that stuff then I have got other outlets there available but I do understand for those particular school leavers at the moment the intrigue of three years of partying and going out and meeting all these the fantastic people from all walks of life is definitely definitely a selling point of the traditional route. And so how would you, you know, talk the same way when you were 18 doing the pros and cons list, what do you think are the biggest factors for a school leaver making the decision between pursuing, you know, traditional law degree and then kind of, you know, training contract versus pursuing an apprenticeship? I think it all comes down to how educated that person has been on an apprenticeship. I think if you're given information earlier on before you come to that kind of crossroads I do think the decision becomes not easier by any in any sense but it definitely becomes clearer which one an apprenticeship or the traditional uni route will suit you better at that point in time I also think that stigma is a huge part in influencing the decision so when I first took on my apprenticeship, weirdly, I remember going into Sainsbury's with my mum and we were talking to the lady on the checkout and my mum was really chuffed and she said that I'd got this paralegal apprenticeship and I wanted to be a lawyer one day. And the lady's face on the checkout, she just wasn't very impressed by it. And I remember that because it really did feel like a moment where 
for the first time, it was almost as if the apprenticeship was less than because I hadn't been able to go to university, if that makes sense. So I think education and stigma is definitely something that we can all work on in terms of just making the apprenticeship route not seem more appealing, but at least an option rather than being struck out straight away. And so one thing I wanted to, to, to kind of ask you about is, you know, as part of your transition from your Paralympic career to becoming a lawyer, what was it like? What has it been like entering into this profession with a disability? For me, I would say I've been very lucky and very well supported. The only thing that I found really difficult was I had moved from the Paralympic world where disability was the forefront of everything and for that reason it was very very celebrated and you'd often have jokes with your friends about your disabilities and you'd have this whole unique world that you wouldn't really understand unless you were part of it unless you were forced into it and the Paralympics itself is very unique in that sense so I had to move from a world where disability was the thing that had made me to then the workplace where not necessarily my workplace, but I think in the professional world, I think sometimes disability and, and wider society for, for that for that matter, kind of avoid talking about disability as if it's a bit of an elephant in the room. So I I don't know if I would have made the jokes I would have made at the Paralympics on my first day in the office, for example, whereas that's something that before that I would have felt very, very comfortable doing. So again, I think it's another thing that we can work on, um, just trying to remove the white elephant in the room and and trust that those with disabilities, nine out of 10 times, if you ask them about them, they are more than happy to answer your questions. But at the same time, having that trust that if they're not comfortable, they'll tell you so. Yeah, because that's always one thing that's been on my mind is what is it that, you know, people can can do or, or should know to be able to better support or integrate people with disabilities? Because on the one hand, you know, you don't want to, you know, make them them uncomfortable but the other hand you don't want to isolate them or, or treat them kind of so so differently as a result of their disability I agree. and it's a really fine balance to to find because I completely understand that you may be very uncomfortable in asking that question and then that you're made more uncomfortable but at the thought of someone potentially being made uncomfortable because you've asked that but I do think that unless we, we have these conversations, we open up the dialogue around disabilities more, that there's always going to be that elephant and, and it's going to be very, very hard to ignore it. My one piece of advice would be to not see past the person's disability, because I, I think historically that's been the advice, you know, see, see them for who they are and not with their disability. But for me, for example, I'm very, very proud of having one hand. It's arguably it made me into a very, very content and, and equally successful sports person. So for me to not talk about my disability almost feels like I'm not talking about a really key part that makes me who I am. And again, it's that fine balance thing. It's, it's tricky. Interesting. And out of curiosity, how, how have you found kind of, you know, entering, you know, doing contract review, doing legal tasks only with, with one hand? I don't find it any different. I think for me, because I've only ever known how to have one hand all throughout my life, I've adapted to things 
one doing things one-handed so tying my hair tying my shoelaces buttoning shirt so for me typing on a laptop or um any kind of work-based activities you know bundling whatever that may be it's something that I've just naturally adapted to myself it's something that I've found a way to do because that's my job at the end of the day I need to find a way to do it and I need to find a way that works for me I don't think I've ever felt rushed to turn things around in a certain time and it's certainly never come into my head that I wouldn't be able to do something just because I've got one hand and so I then wanted to ask you know more generally you know what does adversity mean to you because throughout kind of you know from an intensive Paralympic career to now you know being one of the early pioneers into an intensive solicitor apprenticeship program you're faced with a lot of kind of challenges and a certain intensity and as you said kind of being brought out of your comfort zone so yeah what yeah what is adversity symbolized to you in your life and your career I think again this is something that's over, I've changed over time so when I was swimming it was constantly a buzzword and you know it was overcoming being successful this despite having a disability and you've overcome adversity but now I think adversity to me is just exceeding expectations that people may have had from the very start so I don't know if there were people out there that doubted solicitor apprenticeships I don't know if once upon a time that I may have been one of those people had I opted to follow the traditional route so yeah for me it's it's exceeding all expectations that anyone's had and kind of showing the world that you are capable. And so with that kind of in exceeding our expectations, what do you feel, you know, all lawyers or kind of those wanting to enter the legal profession, be it as a solicitor apprentice um, or kind of as a, as a typical trainee should have? Um, as in a key skill they should have? Yeah. Do you know what? I, I think... A, a key skill to have is the ability to find a balance between looking after yourself but also looking out for other people. Um, I've learned as an apprentice, and we kind of touched on it earlier on when we were chatting, I think the value of a mentor is so special. So I think sometimes it's so easy when you're younger to get swept up and think oh this is for me I'm gonna do the best for myself I'm gonna be quite selfish in all these things and but it's it shouldn't be the case it should be as much as you want to be successful you should also be willing to help others that are following you or people that you think you can kind of help out so we have a solicitor apprentice in the team now who who did a paralegal apprenticeship too but she started in September and sometimes she comes to me about stuff about apprenticeships and I find that relationship to have so special because I've learned a lot and I, I personally love to give that advice on anything that can make someone's journey or someone's decisions whatever it may be a little bit easier I think goes a long way and so talking about that kind of meant the importance of having a mentor have you you know throughout your career be it kind of you know your Paralympic career but now in your legal career have you been able to to find kind of those mentors to help you guide you on your journey I have had mentors at every single opportunity and every single obstacle for me, my very first role model was Ellie Simmons. I watched her compete at the Beijing Paralympics when I was 10 years old, stand in my living room, and she's now become a friend. But throughout my swimming career, she was someone really great to chat to because she'd achieved quite a lot 
very young and I'd also been put on the world stage at a very similar age. So she was an outlet for me. I've then had coaches who have been role models. I've had friends that I've been able to talk to who were not necessarily role models in sport, but could help me with my studying when I was at school. I've then moved into my professional career and I've got role models that are other apprentices. I'll be very, very honest about that. There's people in people that have just qualified through the apprenticeship that I look up to very much and I admire. And then I've got my boss. For me at the moment, she's probably the front runner role model because I think she's, again, she's one of those that's got so much passion about her job. It's, it's just, it's just made me think that the career in law is definitely the right choice for me. So I've been very, very lucky. And so if there's one thing you want kind of audiences to take away from today's conversation, what would it be? I would say it always pays off to be brave, which I realise sounds so cliche. But for me, if I hadn't taken that jump to leave university, then I certainly wouldn't be in the position that I am now. So I think that's that's always going to be my one piece of advice is that no matter how scary something may seem and as I said leaving university for me was was do or die it was one of those things that was going to be potentially the wrong decision would end my world um and I've later found out that is absolutely not the case it's just another option I tried to follow so if you're ever feeling overly scared about a situation weigh up your options educate yourself as much as you can but ultimately the thing that's going to push you out of your comfort zone and force you to be brave is probably the thing that's going to make you grow the most. Very interesting. And I've got to say, you know, do you, do you miss it kind of, you know, your Paralympic, your time as a Paralympic swimmer? Do you miss the smell of chlorine? Um, sometimes I will pass a pole and the smell of chlorine makes me heave now um <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't realize how strong it was I didn't realize how offensive smelling it was um I don't miss the training and the five o'clock wake wake ups but I definitely do miss my friends and the adrenaline of competing and especially the opportunities you get to stand on the podium they um they really are once in a lifetime and they'll always be really special memories to me but it was certainly time to to call it time on the career and try and find a career that would would matter to me for the rest of my life. Time to hang up the the goggle and caps to pick up the... Time to hang up. Well, they're not officially hung up, I'll be honest. I still dabble every now and then in the pool ah, because okay. I, I'll, I'll never be able to leave it behind. <laughs> so, Amy, we've talked kind of solicitor apprenticeships, we've talked career journey, we've talked kind of inspirational... Here on The Legal Tea, we always love to end our episodes on a bit of a lighthearted note. And my question for you, just as we were talking about kind of role models and mentors, is whether you had a favorite dramatized legal character from a TV or movie and why? Oh, my gosh. It's got to be Harvey Specter. <laughs> How often do you get that answer? To be honest, more more, more often than, than you might think. <laughs> yes, Harvey Specter from Suits, because... He was a very, he came across as a very, very strong and very sure lawyer. So for me, I've started watching Suits just after sixth form. So just as I was kind of in that transition period, I was I was sold a dream. I'm not going to lie about that. Like I certainly don't have a life like Suits. But he was very strong. He was very sure of himself. And I think I came across it, as I say, at a time when I was at that crossroads. So to even though it was dramatized it's completely fictional to come across someone like that 
that was so sure was um was definitely an intrigue into the into the industry fantastic well thank you so much for coming on amy if any of our listeners have any follow-up questions can they reach out and if so how Absolutely, absolutely. So LinkedIn, I am just Amy Marin. And then I have a Legal Apprentice Instagram account that I use called The Legal Apprentice. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Amy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much and have a great rest of the day. You too. Well, that's the show, folks. If you enjoy learning about solicitor apprenticeships and want to know more, feel free to reach out to Amy. We've linked her LinkedIn profile in the show notes below. Enjoying our exquisite brew? Have a knack for social media marketing or podcast editing? And are an avid tea drinker? Come work with us on Legal Tea. Send us an email at hello at legaltea.uk or DM us on our social media platforms at legaltea.uk for more information. Till next time.